Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, with the indescribable Jake McGee. Thanks, I think. And the indelible Dave Somerville. We need to get that thought to source clearly out your head right now because <laughs> this is not the first time this is happening. We need to send you to the thesaurus, Doctor. I'm just trying to keep you on your toes, guys. That's all it is. Just trying to keep you on your toes. How are we doing today? We all good? Fantastic. Yeah. Well uh, rested. Absolutely. Can't wait for today's show. Yes, apologies to those who are waiting for a, a show last week. We weren't able to get one due to sporting commitments of uh, one nature or another. Dave, I believe your team were playing in a game on the Wednesday night and Jake, your uh, football team were playing in a game on the Thursday night. One went significantly better than the other. Dave, how did your team do? No, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. go, oh, did your team lose to that? No, obviously we know what the score Look, was. Yes. For those for those who, who, who might not be aware, Glasgow Rangers were playing in the Europa Cup final. Is it the Europa Cup now? I'm so, Europa League. Europa, yeah, Europa League. League they change it all the time. The yes. Europa League final um, against Frankfurt Eintracht, I believe it was. Uh, and unfortunately, they, they did go out in penalties. But Dave, I mean, overall, I mean, an incredible run by the team. Did you enjoy the game? Uh, most of it, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's edge of the seat stuff. It's it it's like the Super Bowl all over again, but maybe uh, with additional tears this time in my eyes. You know, for for this point, because when your club was nearly non-existing ten years ago, and now mm. they are at the height of world football. You know, that that's a pretty big jump. But um, couldn't be prouder. It just wasn't it wasn't our night. We did we gave everything. So I'm very proud of the boys and. Yeah, I think it's more just time to focus on the Super Bowl champions. Ah, yes, indeed. And uh, Jake, you, uh, you, Everton were playing on the Thursday night, weren't they? So tell us, talk us through that one. Well, it was uh, there was tears at half time when we were losing two 0 and looking like we we're going to get relegated, but we turned it around one three two, secured ourselves in the Premier League for another year, mm-hmm. a record hundred and twentieth season in the top division, the best there ever was <laughs> there you go so that's uh, Everton who are, they, who are they playing on Thursday night Jake Crystal Palace Crystal Palace and 1-3-2 to uh, maintain their top flight status good for them good for the boys Everton so anyway we do need to talk about the NFL that's why we're here I should point out I wasn't doing any sporty things on Wednesday or Thursday um, just nothing at all Nothing. Um, the one-man part didn't didn't have the the uh, appeal. Uh, yeah, it didn't really, didn't really. Maybe one of these days I'll, I'll start doing the shorts, you know, like the YouTube shorts <laughs> or something like that. Uh, just a fifty-second video to say, "Oh, the guys working football, and I'm not." But we should talk about the NFL. Plenty of news uh, as we've missed a week, so there's loads of news to talk about. Jake, would you like to take the lead in this one and give us the biggest headlines from around the NFL over the past fourteen days? Well, certainly, the like I say, the, the NFL waits for no one. There has been uh, news in abundance. Um, starting off, I, c- I could be really, really greedy with the Saints, but I'll start off with probably the biggest one, which is uh, Jair Alexander mm-hmm. um, receiving a four-year extension from the Packers. Uh, he's got $30 million, uh on a sign-in bonus, um, which is the most ever by a defensive back, I believe. Uh, averages $21 million per year. Uh, but the, my favourite thing is, again, proof 
um, that you can get around the cap if you want to. Uh, <laughs> he will only account for one million and seventy-six thousand against their this year's cap. So they've pushed it back basically all, all for, you know for the future years. How does that even work? Well, most of it is a signing bonus this year. Oh. Um, so his cap figure is actually one point zero seven six million this year. Well, there you go. Tanya, there is ways around it. There certainly seems to be. That's, a, that's quite a contract, though. That's a, that's a decent contract. Fantastic. My goodness. He missed, I think he was, um, I think he was all pro in 2020. And last year, um, I think he only played eight or so games before picking up an injury. But mm-hmm. the Packers, they remind me of the Saints in terms of they've always been known for their offense and their quarterback. But last few years, it's just becoming more and more defense. I mean, their two first round picks were, were spent on defensive players. Um, they brought in Jaron Reed. They signed cornerback Razal uh, Douglas to a three-year, twenty-one million deal. Yep. Um, they brought in linebacker Devondre Campbell for a five-year, fifty million. Um, and then I think it was Preston Smith um, signed a four-year, fifty-two point five million expense. So that that defense is stacked, um, especially in the the division they're in. And that is certainly one I will be looking at in terms of fantasy um, league. You know, when you get to play. I think they've got a relatively easy um, schedule. I think they do have to play the NFC East, I think. Um, yeah. So again, they can be, beat up on a few teams. Uh, but that yeah. defense is, is, you know, going from strength to strength and, um, you know, securing it with such a great backfield now. Great move. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was t- actually talking, you mentioned the NFC East there. Um, I was talking to a gentleman today, the gentleman who does the voiceovers, for us here at the NFL show. He's a big Dallas Cowboys fan. And um, he said, you know, every year, Dallas fans say, this year, we're going to, you know, go to the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. Every year, it's been, they've been saying that since 1991. That's what it feels like. They've been saying this every single year. And, you know, we're going to win the division, going to go to the playoffs, going to go to the Super Bowl. But uh, he was saying to me today that it, looking at it just, just now, does anyone see any way the Cowboys don't win this division? Philadelphia. I'm. Ah, I don't trust the quarterback. He's improved every year. Uh, yes, improvement. If he can stay healthy. He couldn't get yes. worse, so. I, I don't. You, you can ask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has improved, but he's, he's not been particularly good. Not knocking him. Mm-hmm. I think if he continues to improve. He'll be, you know, stays healthy, obviously. Um, then he'll be a good quarterback for many years. But I don't see the rest of the talent on Philadelphia. They've got some good players on the Eagles. But I just don't think it's enough. I, I look at that NFC East and I, for the first time in a long time, I think I'm automatically just ticking the Cowboys to win that division. And what do you think? Well, I saw I saw an interesting thing, and I think if you look back over the years, when Dallas have a, a good season, they follow it with a bad season. It's almost for the last like decade or so they have a good season, they have a bad season. <laughs> now they had a good season last season, so, so yeah, the, the law of averages. <laughs> yeah, theoretically they should have a bad season. Um, yeah, I mean they've got one of the easiest strength of schedules. Yeah, um, but you mentioned the Eagles. I mean that leads on to. Um, them signing James Bradbury from the Giants. I mean, he agrees to a, a one-year contract worth up to ten million, um, seven point yeah. five million on base, and, and that was their biggest weakness. Was they had Darius Slay and then nothing alongside him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we, would wager the the Eagles 
I would be quite happy and quite confident to say the Eagles can win that division. Uh, we mentioned Bradbury when he was released. Mm-hmm. About, I think I said, you know, why would you release him? He's a great player. And I believe Jacob was yourself who said, he's not going to be short of offers. And no. how right... <laughs> How right we both were. I mean, it's, it's, it seemed, you know, no sooner had he packed up his locker <laughs> than those, you know, the calls were coming in saying, yeah, we'll take you. And the Eagles jumped right on that. And uh, they've got a, a good play. Bradbury's an excellent play. I, I don't get, I know why the Giants let him go, but I don't understand. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it at all. Well, Jerry, Jerry they, they, they did it, they did it for money. Better. Yeah, but Jair Alexander is a much better cornerback and he's 1.076 million against the cap. You can manipulate the cap. People continue to show you that the cap is a myth. The Giants could have made it work. They decided not to. It was the Giants. There, there must be something behind this. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's, you, you see it with some of the players that are still available. You know, you can pretty much make the case that there's something not quite... There's one piece of the jigsaw still missing that's not quite evident to everyone. You know, what, why a lot of these players are not being picked up. So I think it could be the case with Barbary. But at the same time, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a big two fingers right up to the Giants there of where he's gone in, in terms of, you know. Uh, why why wouldn't not you? so far. You know, oh, I mean, well, be, yes. If you Bobby, Wag- franchise. Bobby Wagner. Oh, oh Bobby right. Wagner. Yeah. Bobby Wagner. Yeah. No, I've, that's. Can't help himself. Ah, that's just. I, I'm still right. As I've said on numerous occasions, don't like the Seahawks. Uh, so by proxy, I don't really like their players. You know, <laughs> yeah, just well, by, true, by association. Yeah. As I said, that'll change with Russell Wilson, depending on how he performs in the first quarter of his game against the Seahawks in week one. But Bobby Wagner, I was sitting going, this is one of the most consistently good players regardless of position in the league over the past decade and he still is and oh yeah and you literally just you're gone let him go yeah mind boggles the two the two main players if if you had to pick just say you had to pick a top three players of last season from the seahawks that you could name to me the three players you would be you know danger ross you would have Bobby Wagner and probably DK Metcalf. Yeah. Now those, the two, two of those three, two of those three are gone, whether traded or whether just not re-signed. I mean, there, there's there's rebuild. Then there's just off a cliff rebuild. You know, you're, you're forcing yourself to rebuild. I think it's it's bad. But you know, the, I think Giants did make a mistake with Bradbury. Seahawks. Well, well done to the Seahawks. They give a sarcastic Massive. clap to the Seahawks. Absolutely. Um, what a shame. Couldn't happen to a nicer organization. <laughs> well, I uh, think with a lot of the... I'd like to get Dave's take on, on the NFC East and his thoughts. But when you're talking about the, the free agents, pretty much all the news and all the signings over the last few days and last week, they're all one-year contracts, which uh-huh. is genius because the players get money, they get a, a salary, and it means they, you know, they have a good season. They go on and they can hit the market again next year rather than, you know, three years for maybe a little bit less money. Um, and then, then, then they're tied, you know, if they play really well, they're tied into a contract. Whereas these players have a chance to kind of show people why they should have been signed earlier. And then if they have a good good season, they'll go get, you know, a three, four year contract. If they have an up and down season, they'll probably just get another one year contract, you know, approve it deals, they call it. I think... Obviously, from my point of view, I can only directly relate it to what the Rams did with Gurley and Goff initially. Now, look at the; those were stupid contracts. 
Yeah, it, yeah. A running back. Fair enough. Gurley was great. Goff had one good season where he was fantastic. He was composed. Once players started picking up on things that he did, things that he was bad at, to me that was almost game over for him. But he had he had a huge contract. Gurley as well, a huge contract. What did we do last year? Because we had a couple injuries. Went out and signed OBJ until the end of the season, and he was on course for MVP in the Super Bowl. You know, I, I think the Rams may have... Well, we've got Aaron Donald and Ramsey tied down. Two of our cornerstones in the entire franchise. Yes, fair enough. That's brilliant. But I think... Um, was it Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, that said he would rather take 10 one-year contracts rather than one 10-year contract? Yeah, he said, um, what's the difference between a 10-year, $100 million contract and 10 one-year, $10 million contracts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I'm, it gives I'm you flexibility. Of, it does, but I'm of the opinion, and this this might just be because I'm a, a wee bit older, and I don't like players jumping between teams. I, I just don't like it. I th- see when I see a player getting drafted by a team now, I'm thinking, oh well, you know, there's a player you got for three years. It's just, I, you know, you look at these guys and you're thinking, if he doesn't perform at the absolute highest level, he's out the door in three years. That's Who's fault that though? That's not that's, that's the team's fault. Well, sometimes it is. <laughs> to look at the play calling. You can't go. It's not always on the player. <laughs> that's what I mean. I don't think it's ever on the player. I think it's on the teams. Oh, so, the teams. So, sorry, sorry, Jake. I thought you said I thought you said it's not the team's fault. Oh no. Oh, I see. I was getting all hyped up there. I was like, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's just I, I I don't like it because you're so used to seeing a player players. Okay, it's generally quarterbacks. And if they're doing well, they're going to be on that team for 10 years, 12 years. That, that's great. If they don't do well, or if they're, you know, they're a backup and they just want to get their shot to go to another team, I get that. But when you're seeing top-class players getting cut and traded for... They're, they're using them like bargaining chips as opposed to pieces that can legitimately help their team. And I, I don't want to be banging on about the, you know, the, the Bobby Wagner thing. Mm. That one just doesn't make any sense to me at all. But you look at umpteen players this has happened to uh, across the league, and you're saying there's no way that this team is not better off with that player in the organisation they choose to trade him for a fifth-round draft pick. We, there, we spoke of the NFC East. They got rid of, um, oh, what's it, Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. For a was it a fifth round pick, I was like a fifth and a sixth, and like they swapped sixth round picks, and they got the rough end of that. So it was barely yeah, so, even a fifth round yeah, pick. So yeah, robbery, robbery. It's absolutely that robbery. But you think what are the Cowboys thinking? Surely, surely your team is better with a Mari Cooper in your team. And the only yeah. way you should be getting rid of him is if you are getting a massive haul back. I think with the players in a draft becoming out more pro ready, uh, and you know, and the college game kind of adapting to the pro game, they are more than happy now to, you know, get rid of a big contract or get rid of someone due a contract and take a, a risk and a flyer on a rookie deal. Do you and think? Uh, sorry, Jake. I was just, I was just going to say. But I'll get your ask your opinion first on this. Do you think that obviously this off season it's 
it's you know we've had some things happen and the rate of change has been massive the you know teams are stacked so many teams are stacked it's so hard to predict do you think that the competition to get these big players has kind of dictated this as well that teams feel like they're being forced into these decisions well you see teams what annoys me is you see teams like the Jets or the Dolphins, for example, who have tons of money, and they'll, you know, someone comes available for trade or to the highest bidder, and they obviously throw everything. Going, you know, this could be the player that turns around our, our franchise, and the player goes, "I don't really want to play for the Jets." It, it, that that's what annoys me is they always, and we see it time after time. Oh, I'll take a, a lesser deal to go play for the Patriots. I'll, I'll, I'll take a lesser deal to play with the Chiefs. I'll, you know. Or you, you get the opposite where you get Christian Kirk who's like, you can't take 75 million to call with the Jags. You know? <laughs> so for, for Christian I, Kirk, I couldn't, couldn't help it. He, he's, he's had like three weeks without us mentioning it. But uh, he has. What, what, um, what annoys me is when people cut people. You know, I would rather, I, it sounds stupid, I would rather the Dallas, you know, if Dallas were going to cut Amari Cooper or trade him, I'd rather them trade him for a fifth to the Cleveland than cut him and he goes to the Giants. Uh, you know, with the Packers, if uh, Devontae Adams didn't want to to play there, send him off to you know the other division, you know the other conference. I hate, uh, uh, yeah, I hate seeing players like James Bradbury starting cornerback for the Giants is now starting cornerback for the Eagles, and the Giants got nothing but dead cap for it, and it's just stupid. It's it, it, it is stupid, terrible. I and I'll never understand it. You'll see when they they have the free agency. What now? There's a term for it. Is it a tender? Is that what they call it? Yes. Yeah. When they put the tender on it, and uh, because I was absolutely losing my mind, as you guys already know, when the Broncos cut Philip Lindsay, mm-hmm. um, because they'd matched him to, for his tender, but he was an undrafted free agent, so it was like he could go anywhere he wants, and it's not going to cost you anything. Uh, I'm sorry, you're not going to get anything in return yeah, yeah, for yeah. him. And I thought, this is a Pro Bowler with two out of three seasons, 1,000-yard seasons, Pro Bowl running back. And I know we, we talk about running backs, but I thought, you couldn't get anything for him? You couldn't get a seventh-round pick? Uh-huh. Do you think, what, what are you doing? Why would you cut him? And to me, it just shows like they absolutely don't value the player. I and think... And that's just that's just Philip Lindsay. Now I I love Philip Lindsay, but if I had the choice between Philip Lindsay and James Bradbury, I'm sorry, Philip. I know which one I'm taking, and mm-hmm. and he got cut. Why are you doing this? I'm sure there's if we've got any Giants fans listening, if there's any Press Giants off, fans, sorry. <laughs> yes. But, you know, you must be losing your mind at this. You must be, because it makes no sense. You're telling me the Giants couldn't trade him. No, I don't buy it for a second. And we spoke about the the, the cap, the the dead money hit and all this. Mm -hmm. Well, why wouldn't you trade him to a team that takes on a bit of his salary or, you know, do this, do that, the next thing? Just cut him. Well, we'll take the hit. They're paying him to play against them now. This year, they are paying him to play against them twice. That's stupid. It's 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 so stupid. And what really annoys me is because I thought the Giants had a great draft. Mm-hmm. I thought they it did is, so yeah. well. That I thought they really improved. The new um, uh, general manager, um, I, I forget his name. Is it Sean? 
Joe Schoen or something like that. I forget his name. Apologies. I thought, what a job he's done. Because for the past few years, the Giants have been, they've not drafted particularly well. Shout out Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman, yeah, exactly. I mean, right, you can argue they got, they got a stud of a player in Saquon Barkley. Yes, they did. It's not his fault he's been injured. But, you know, a great player. But you look at some of the other picks and you're like, they've just not really been doing it. And then they've been trading players. So you think, what are you, what are you doing? And they've been a laughing stock for years. And then when you finally have what looks like, and it could, listen, we could all be wrong. And the Giants make the playoffs this year. And we're all sitting here going, wow, I didn't see that coming. But I'll be, I'll be extremely surprised when you've got a player of the talent of Bradbury and you just poof, let him go. You get nothing for him. You pay. You're paying for him to go somewhere else. Ah, oh, just that. It hurts. Anyway, sorry guys, we can't, we can't talk about the Giants and Bradbury in the entire episode. There's been other, there's been other uh, contract signings and re-signings. Uh, Jake, do apologise, I just went rambling on there. Feel free to, to take it out. I understand uh, Jadavion Clowney got a new contract, is that right? Yeah, and from the sounds of it, he turned down more money um, to, to re-sign with the Cleveland Browns. Now, he took a one-year $11 million Mm-hmm. I think it was something like nine point seven five guaranteed, something like that. Um, but basically, eleven million max. I mean, he had nine sacks last year. You could say he's never really lived up to the number one um, draft pick that he was. But he's certainly mm-hmm. become a reliable starter over the years. Might not be the superstar that um, everyone had hoped for, but certainly don't think you can kind of argue that he's going to make that team better. I think Clowney's a great player. Um, probably not worthy of a, a number one pick. Uh, but I mean, he looks great opposite JJ Watt. <laughs> he, looks, he looks great opposite Miles Garrett. I mean, I would look great opposite JJ Watt. I think <laughs> <laughs> at, at this rate, and you know, I, I, I don't think I, I, I barely weigh one hundred and sixty pounds. So you know, if two, two of me on the other side of me is going to, you know, complete muscle as well is going to make anyone look great. You reckon you could but, get a um, sack if JJ Watt was on the other side, Dave? Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I could touch <laughs> someone. Like, I, I get half a sack if I if I, if I <clears throat> contributed. Well, he's all, the quarterback's already on his way down, and I just jump on top for the for the laps. That, yeah, counts. Yeah. that counts. That counts. Half a sack. There we go. Absolutely. So that, but yeah, I think with Jadamian Clowney, I think he he rejected a contract that could risen to fifteen, sixty million, um, possibly with um, um, the Ravens. I think it was as well. So. The yeah, Ravens, is that who it was? Yeah, that, well, that, that's what the rumours are. There was no kind of, um, you know, there's there's no confirmation of it. I don't think the, the agents and the his entourage, Clowney's entourage is going to reveal the exact details, but there was rumours that the Ravens were in firm and potentially the Pats as well uh, had made contacts as well. So, yeah, he's, he's, that, that's, that's a good thing. You, you, a player that's not holding out for more money and choosing where he wants to go. Uh, for a little bit less money, that that that's what we like to see on this show. Yeah, because we don't like greed. You don't like greed. Oh, I despise it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, oh, uh, you know, if the amount that I hate it over the three of us, it it sort of mellows down to we don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jadavian Clowney. I, I hope he does well. It's it's one of those. He's one of those players where you're thinking it. It's not his fault. He was drafted first overall. Well, it is. He was really good in college. <laughs> but you know the the, the team uh, the Texans wasn't it who drafted him first overall? Um, yes. It it you know that's not his fault. It it's not. 
It's not his fault he got drafted by the Texans. It's not his fault he got <laughs> I mean, drafted yeah. by the Texans. I mean, look, at, look at Trevor Lawrence. Do you think Trevor Lawrence wanted to go to the Jaguars? No. He, do you know where he wanted to go? He wanted to go to either the New England Patriots or the Green Bay Packers or any team that the quarterback is looking, you know, we've got in the old side. That's where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to a team that isn't 100% sure of the quarterback, but everything else was looking pretty good. Yeah. But he went to the Jaguars. He went to the worst position possible. And and t- and, and players like, uh, I mean, God love him, Zach Wilson. Ah, I feel so sorry for that boy. I, I do. They, they've not even kicked off the second season, and I already feel sorry for him. Because I don't think the Jets are going to do anything this year. And I think he will end up a slightly more talented Sam Darnold 2.0. Oh, I, 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 would, I would go one step further. I'd say I don't feel sorry for, for him whatsoever for the simple reason that his competition is Joe Flacco. So I think he's got easy starting berth right Well, there. yeah, but his backup quarterback's not going to give him any help. I mean, Flacco's uh, openly admitted this. Yes, yeah, that's true. He gets nothing from his own teammate. I mean, that's... I, I don't like Joe Flacco. Anyway, sorry. Jake, has there been any other, any other contracts <laughs> going on? Yeah, just one close to my heart. Uh, Jarvis Landry signing with the Saints. One year, up to six million. Uh, three million base, and then three million in incentives. Um, the, my main takeaway is that we've gone from Marquez Callaway being our number one receiver last year um, to now our fourth number, uh, our fourth wide receiver. Uh, obviously, hopefully have a, a healthy Mike Thomas, um, the rookie Chris Olave, and then Juice in the slot. So. We, we are certainly loading up to, to give it a good old go and give Dennis Allen a, a good chance in his first year. That's good. Robbery. A, a nice signing. Robbery. That mm-hmm. is what you call that. Six mil, one year, six mil for Jarvis Landry. I, oh, I, a hometown I, discount, baby. Oh, it's, no, it's, it's good. Just, it's I like to see to it. I like to see it. And Dallas, I think you boys are coming home. <laughs> I, one more I, to go. And I think, I think uh, Jameis will have a nice season this year. Firmly believe it. I think the Saints will do really well. OBJ is going to come home. (laughs) OBJ. Via LA. I think what I've taken from this offseason is it must be Sean Payton who hated LSU because for years and years we've not drafted LSU players, we've not been interested in LSU players. Sean Payton goes and we're like, right, let's get all the LSU players back. (laughs) That's what it is. It's like, he's gone. Tear the strip off the eyes. LSU name and we can put them on again. Yeah, he, he only had eyes for Ohio State and we're like, hold on, there's a pretty good university right next to us. Yeah. Oh. And speaking th- of Sean oh. Payton though, sorry, I was just going to say, oh, speaking no. of Sean Payton, is there not rumours about him possibly going to the Panthers either, uh, well, probably probably not this year, but next year, the Panthers just sound him out for a future role within the organisation? Good luck with that. Because we own the rights, so that's going to be oh, your next five first-round picks, the Panthers. Yeah, I I don't see that happening at all. Why would the Saints do that? Like no, no, I don't, I don't see it. Um, I mean, Peyton Peyton walked away. He didn't have to walk away. He's a young man, relatively. You know? Well, for a head for a head coach, yeah, he's yeah, a very yeah, young that, man. That. True. I think the, the only thing I would point out is you with this kind of thing. It's not just one kind of rumor source with this there there has been multiple uh rumors so i think when that kind of thing happens there's no smoke without fire so i, I again 
I don't know why you would. I, I think the Panthers... Sean Payton, he's a great head coach. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But I don't think the Panthers need to give up what they probably will need to give up for no. is right. So no. I, I, it doesn't make much sense. But you know, uh, but we were talking previously about players that could be traded. Uh, you know, for instead of being cut, we've also got two players that are still waiting to see what their futures hold in Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield. And though you know they, these guys. They don't have a place in our organization, it doesn't look like. So we're talking. We're still talking about Sean Payton, obviously, with uh, what could be given up to get Sean Payton to the Panthers. But what, what's going to be given up for these guys? These guys are in the prime of their careers. and I, I think Jimmy no G's going to start this year. He's not. Cal Shanahan came out the other day saying he's recovering from the injury and he looks he'll get traded. Mm-hmm. Oh, he said he said he's going to get traded. Is that what he said? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kyle Shan openly said we're just waiting for him to be traded. Basically, find out was it? Well, I worry. Was it a shift? Yeah, I worry though uh, that you're giving up. Uh, well, for the 49ers' sake, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's no love loss there from my point of view. But um, for you're giving up a quarterback that is consistent. He, he's not. He's not great, but he's always good. He fits into the scheme very, very well. That they're uh, what what they want to do in uh, San Francisco. I, I worry that they're taking a gamble, a big, big gamble on Trey Lance. You know, he's he's been very underwhelming, is from what the sources behind the scenes are saying. So, I, I don't know. Do you, what, what would they give up for Jimmy G? A, a second, a second, and a third, or a, a sec, just a second, maybe depending on what team it is. I don't even think that much. I think what I was going to say earlier when um, Neosho was talking about Amari uh, Cooper and you know James Bradbury. The problem is these days. Everybody knows who's going to get cut or who's looking to get released. So teams aren't going to give up a first or a second mm-hmm. when they're going, well, why should I? If I don't give you a second, you're probably going to cut him in three weeks. I can get it for free. Um, he'll be, he'll go for, you know, pennies on the door. It's where, it's where, where he goes, though, because a lot of teams have made their sort of second and third QB signings. Um, the, the Panthers are, are, have apparently offered a one-year deal to Cam Newton as well. Was reporting in the last sort of forty-eight hours, so Panthers not looking to trade for Baker or Jimmy G, which is the prime spots that these guys were looking to go to. I yeah, until until training camp or you know first couple of games where you know someone goes down with an injury, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. doors I, open. I, I'm still surprised uh, about the lack of interest in Baker Mayfield. I'm very very but, surprised how quiet it's been. He's you know not turned up to OTAs, which I don't blame him. If I was him, I'm really petty. I would to be turned up and just making as much of a pain of myself as possible. Oh, remember me, guys? Yeah, remember me? I'm I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm going to take first team stats. I think it, uh, it, I'm going to go send the practice squad. It will be absolutely hilarious for the. For, I mean, against the Cleveland Browns, um, if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for the entire year. No, that's, that's not going to be yeah. that's not going to be hilarious for Sean Watson, obviously. No, but we're not going to go into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the Browns, if he gets suspended for the entire year, I'm Baker Mayfield. I'm like, on you go then. Who are you putting in now? Because I'm not playing for you. Why would he? Would you if you if you franchise treated you like that? No. Yeah, yeah. I'd go throw a pick six. Absolutely. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> go drop the mic. Yeah, see ya. Shovel passes to the linebackers. There you go. Game one, let us walk off like a boss. Quite right. We'll, we'll Take the fine. 
uh, the Carl Shanahan, uh, Carl Shanahan on Jimmy Garoppolo. I expect at some point uh, or at some time he'll be traded, but it's not a guarantee. It went on hold when surgery happened. Hey, they, you know, if that's the case, at least Shanahan's honest about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no no sort of uh, pretend. He gets that from his dad. <laughs> there's no there's no pretenses there. He's just honest. This is what's going to happen. So you know, if if Carl Shanahan says it, I'm inclined to believe it. And I'm inclined to believe that Jimmy is more than aware of this. He'll have been told before anyone else. Shanahan's not going to say that to the media without having already thoroughly discussed this with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, any other um, signings or anything? Any other news around the NFL, Jake, that we might have missed? Well, a couple of smaller signings, uh, but still, you know, Significant Melvin Ingram signing with the Dolphins, one mm. year, five million. Another good signing for the Dolphins, I, I feel. Then making moves. Uh, Carl Fuller signs with his hometown Baltimore Ravens, so former Bronco and Bear. Yes. Adding a bit of depth to their backfield. Um, and then the, the best piece of news mm-hmm. Nick Foles reunites with Frank Reich, um, this time in, in Indianapolis, uh, agrees to a two year deal. So he's going to back up Matt Ryan, which pretty good backup to have. That's it's pretty much the best backup. Yeah. The best backup to have is the guy that you know. If you have to, you can call him in the playoffs and he'll go and win you a Super Bowl. It doesn't get any better than that. That's going to have two statues in two different states. And Frank Reich, uh, you know, career backup. He knows, he knows what it's like. I like Frank Reich. Very, very smart man. Very smart man. Um, great coach, and I thought the move to get Matt Ryan was inspired. Uh, I thought it was the perfect move for them, was to get Matt Ryan. I thought, wow, well done. And uh, to pick up Foles, yeah, good for them. And then on the back of it, uh, that uh, Indianapolis, you know, we're talking about them, the NFL announced um, they will continue to host the Combine in 2023. And 2024, which isn't really a surprise, um, but I think most people are quite happy that the combine is staying there, um, yeah. just because you know that, that's where it has been. That's where it will continue to be. Not only that, though, in Indianapolis, they have a new running back on a one-year deal. Can we guess who? We may have already mentioned him. Little Philip Lindsay signed oh, to the oh, good for him, good, and good for, for them. One-year deal, yeah, one-year deal for Philip Lindsay, and I, you know, I, he's, he's such a unique running back. I. W- w- Genuinely wish him all the best. Uh, but yeah, that, that's another one of the free agents off the books there. And another thing about Philip Lindsay, and you know that I love to talk about Philip Lindsay. Of course you do, you know, because he's he's awesome. And he just had such a great uh, rookie season for the Broncos and a great second season for the Broncos. And I just, there's something that is inherently likable about Philip Lindsay. Um but the thing that really gets me is this, that he has now, he's carried the ball 622 times in his career. He's never fumbled. Hey, fans. He's, he didn't fumble in college, and he's not fumbled in the NFL. That's wrong. That's you can, uh, yeah, that's you can trust you him want. with your baby. You can trust him. So when Jonathan Taylor, oh my, is it Jonathan Taylor? Yeah? Yes. 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 So when Jonathan Taylor needs a breather, right? You can stick Philip Lindsay in and you don't need to worry. He doesn't yeah, have to get well, you 30, yeah. 40 yards. You know, when he comes back off the field, you're still going to have the ball. And that's that's what you want. So, what yeah, good for Philip. 
What a running back unit they have, though, in Indy, in Indy because oh, they, not good. only do they have Taylor, they've got Naeem Hines there as well. Yeah. <laughs> he's, great yeah, change he, of pace. Well, that, well, absolutely. But I think he's he's a great kind of third-down quarterback. I, think I rate him as one of the best third-down third running backs in uh, in the league, uh, Naeem Hines, because he's great with his hands, and he does get targeted as well. So, mm. yeah, I, I, Colts are finally making moves to sort of surpass the Titans. Do, I, do I we, would say anyway. Do we think that the Colts might have done enough to sort of get them over the edge from last year? Yes. Because... I think so. Yeah. I mean, they were good last year. The Colts were a really good team. But they... Oh, well, the way the season ended was an absolute disaster for them. Mm. Um, that loss to... Um, was it... Oh my goodness, who was it they lost to in the last game of the season? It wasn't Jacksonville, was it? Was, <laughs> did they lose was, it? was it Jacksonville? Can we check that one? I, I want to say they lost to the Jaguars in the last game of the season. You're thinking, oh my word. We, we, we spoke about Carson Wentz and you looked at Carson Wentz's numbers from last year and they look good. Just, just if you purely look at the numbers, you think, wow, Carson Wentz had a really good season. And then you watch the Colts play and you thought Carson Wentz is the weakest part of this entire offense because that offensive line is incredible. The run game's great. There were good wide receivers, good tight end, just the quarterback. And, yeah. and then, yeah, 26-11. Yeah, it was, it was the, yeah, the loss to the Jaguars the last game of the season. Yes. <laughs> the wide receiver room is looking a bit better. I, I I would feel a lot more confident with the Colts if they went out and signed Julio Jones. Just do the smart thing. Mm. Go get Julio Jones. Do you think Matt Ryan would be happy about that? That's what I mean. You know, get someone you're quite <laughs> yeah. happy with, someone you can rely on, a big body. Because uh, that, that, that wide receiver room is probably the, you know, I think they've got Michael Pittman, and that's about the only one I can really name. Is T.Y. Hilton there? I believe he's still a free agent. I might be wrong, but I feel like he was... He's still just going to win unless he's still there. Colts are going to be good this year. I, I can feel it in my water. Yeah. Of course, that just could be old age sitting in. <clears throat> anyway, so that's the end of the news uh, for this segment. Uh, we're going to be moving on very quickly to our second installment of Dave's Close Shaves. Dave, what have you got for us this week? You know what, I thought I would sort of shake it up a little bit because what I'm going to do for my close shave this week is that I'm going to give a lot of credit to the NFL for once. What I'm going to say is that I, I came across a stat and it, it, it's, it's sort of a random stat as well, but at the same time, this is a close shave because things were getting bad in the injury department in the last few years. Now, we, we all know that there has been many numerous... Uh, injury situations for teams, uh, especially since COVID happened. But there was one pattern that seemed to stick out in the last few years. Now, the stat that comes with this is that special teams account for 17% of plays in a typical NFL game. Now, we go on about special teams and the importance of of Proper special teams units. Love our special teams on this show. Absolutely. Now, they do only account for 17% of plays in the average kind of NFL game, okay? But special teams accounted for one in three ACL tears in the league from 2015 to 2021 and 29% of all muscle injuries below the waist, despite only accounting 
for less than one in five plays in the entire league. Now, this was getting worse and worse from 2015. It was getting it was getting worse. Players were well, not necessarily players, but teams were having to sign more uh, special teams players to make up the numbers uh, to you know keep eleven players on the on the the field uh, during kick returns, during punt returns, field goals, the lot. It was getting bad. Now um, injuries suffered during uh, punt plays caused the highest rate of missed games on an annual basis since 2015. The worst ones were the returners and gunners. Now, what they noticed was that players who are tasked with running 40 yards or more at as close to full speed as they can get are the hardest hit and the most likely to have muscular tears, muscular injuries. Now, what they actually managed to do now since 2019, since 2019 and 2020, particularly when COVID hit, was that they introduced the COVID injury reserve list Sort of, um, and that has actually brought the numbers down from an average of probably about 10, 12 uh, injuries per year happening per team on spe- for, from special teams down to about seven. So I think a close shave has been... You know, it's, it's only going to be a matter of time before some of these special teamers, they get serious head knocks, not necessarily uh, ACL tears, but when they're running... Like I said, at top speed for forty yards or more. If you get, if you if you run at for uh, what shall we say, say twenty miles an hour, you run at twenty miles an hour, an hour into a brick wall, you're going to get an injury. So, for me anyway, I'd be running into ten brick walls with the size of some of these guys that I'm running headfirst into. I so once, I'm going to get injured. I once walked into a glass door and nearly killed myself, and I was walking. And, and yet <laughs> the silent the silence says how. Yes, we uh, we completely believe this. Yeah, <laughs> Just, see, the thing nice. is, the thing is, if you've ever, like, have you ever stubbed your toe? Right? You yes. ever done that? You've been walking, oh yeah, basically, oh, yeah. and you you crack a a chair leg or a table leg or something, and you think, how fast was my foot moving? Mm-hmm. It must have been going at like sixty miles an hour because the pain and the agony. And if you if anyone's ever walked into a glass door by accident. Uh, well, you might do it on purpose. Don't know why you would. Then you know how much it hurts, and you're walking. What's your average walking speed? It's about three miles an hour, I think. It's average walking speed. So if you, if you if you increase if you're late, that, if you're late for work for me, then you're six or seven miles an hour. There I you go. So you increase that to twenty miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You imagine running in, running full speed into a into a glass door. So, oh my word, yeah. I, just, I think some of their policies, some of the policies as well, they have changed in the NFL, particularly when it comes to injuries. You know, um, the targeting calls have been a lot more tighter. Um, the, the, some of the situations like tripping calls, there've been a few more of them as well. You, the, these are the ones, these are the injuries that when it's muscular and when there's nothing you can do to avoid it, that is when it gets serious. That's when the injuries are serious and that's what they're trying to do with improving these rules as well. So I think the NFL has had a close shave with how bad it was getting, but they're doing well. They're doing much better now. So, you know, um, I know you've got players that have had many ACL issues, uh, many muscular, consistent muscular injuries that keep happening sort of year in, year out. But I think they're going in the right direction. So hopefully this is a close shave that they've managed to avoid. 
Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm dubious. I think they've agreed to either increase the practice squad or or keep the practice squad, um, you know, longer um, than it was Mm -hmm. previously. But last year we had the Titans, who pretty sure set a record for injuries, so they used 91 different players. And then the Saints set an NFL record, I think it was 52 or 53 different stars. Um, so injuries yeah. are just getting worse and worse. Well, I, want, I yeah, wonder how I, much of that is to do with, do you remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, do you remember the 49ers, I think, were playing the Giants at MetLife? Yes. And they lost like, five starters in that one game. Mm-hmm. And then I think the following week, someone else was playing the Giants at MetLife and lost three or four. Yeah. And they were saying, is it the turf? You know what? I per- right, personally, mm-hmm. I hate turf. Despise it. All teams should play on grass. It's much safer than turf. But that was it was a, this weird anomaly of like this two or three week stretch where every team that was playing at MetLife Stadium was suffering the most horrendous injuries. Just knees blowing out left, right and centre. Yeah. Um, was that not a, OB, when OBJ originally got his bad ACL tear? It there was, may it was, have it been. Was, it was ACL, MCL, blah blah CL tear. You know, he, uh, just week in, week out. It was. I think. I think it was twenty season because they were putting it down or attributing it at the time to no. Um, That's no right. No workouts, preseason games. No preseason games. There was yes. no, not enough preparation. Everything along those lines. So that was in twenty twenty, and I think what they they had to do something about it because it was. You know, there, there was more players on injury reserve than there was in the squads at times. Yeah, or or maybe maybe not quite, but you you catch my drift. There was yeah. players going down left, right, and center, game in, game out, and they were putting it down to the kind of preseason levels. But I think one of the things that came of that, particularly in the twenty twenty season, was that when when players and coaches, no, sorry, sorry, let me start again. When teams were on fourth down, a lot more coaches were going for it on fourth down because uh from from 2019 the rates of punts in games was uh about between eight and nine uh per per game there was eight uh the amount of punts, punts in the game now come to 2021 that's come down to closer to seven so a lot more teams are going for it on fourth down but i think it's a change in philosophy that these head coaches aren't um because of what's happened in the 2020 season, they were forced to go for it. Now they like the idea of going for it a lot more. You've got at Baltimore, I think it was, that had, you know, they had statisticians behind the scenes who were telling the coach, if it's fourth and three, fourth and four, you go for it. Okay. Unless it's, it's circumstances that yeah. you need to protect a lead, you go for it. So yeah. I, th- I think these some little niggles go uh, help as well. Yeah. I, I, I did see something about that when they were seeing that some statistician had drawn up every fourth and short from the past mm-hmm. 50 years or whatever it was and said, on average, you'd better to go for it. Now, it's all well and good someone just seeing that because they've read some numbers. But of course, you know, if the season's on the line, <laughs> yes. you're like, oh, yeah. should I go for it? The numbers say go for it. But yeah, but see, if we don't make it, I could lose my job. I, I, so I think it kind of comes down to that. But I love it when teams go for it on fourth down. Oh yeah, oh, that's great. I always, the one that sticks out to me is when was it Belichick went for it in his own half against Peyton Manning and was just like, yeah, it's Peyton Manning. I don't want to give him the ball. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Thought, yeah. That, that's like, that's the one time. They, what do they call it? The fourth and two game. That's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. the one time where you absolutely I understand why he went for it. 
I go for it and I win, or I lose it and I lose it, you know, or I punt the ball and, and lose it anyway. So I might well try and win. Yeah, because they, 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 he knew that they had no chance of stopping Peyton. You've not stopped him all day. You're not going to start yeah. now. You know, it's like, well, if I punt it, we'll lose the game. At least if I go for it, we've got a chance of winning. My defence hasn't stopped him at all. Need to keep him on the sideline. So, yeah, there you go. Ah, well, interesting stuff there. Thank you very much for that, Dave. Do appreciate it. Uh, now, we do like to shake things up a little bit now and again here on the WinFL show, as you know. So I think what we could maybe look now is at doing random stats. How do we feel about that, gentlemen? Yeah, let's go for I it. I can go for a random stat. I, I, I like a random stat. I do. So it's time for this week's Random Stats. And who would like to start us off this week for the random stat? Would you like me to go first? Yeah, go on, you'll say. You haven't kicked us off. Host with the most. Host with the most. Okay, well, my random stat uh, involves a a little bit of storytelling. And and a question. It's going to start with a question, and then I've got a wee story for you. So, do do either of you know who holds the single game sack record? Who's got who's got the most sacks in one game? Does anyone know the answer to that question? Um, I would go with Derek Thomas. And you would be one hundred percent right with oh, Derek oh, Thomas. What I guess. So wow. Derek Thomas in nineteen ninety sacked Dave Craig of the um Seattle Seahawks at the time seven times in one game. Now that's a lot of sacks. I mean, if you extrapolate that over a season, that's 112 sacks in a season. So, it's like, you know, I'm just saying, you know, if you were to do it every single time. But on November 11th, 1990, Derek Thomas had seven sacks in one game. Now, a few players have had six sacks in a game. Uh, Osei Yumanura. Uh, in 2007 for the Giants. Uh, most recently, Adrian Claiborne for the Falcons uh, in 2017 against the Dallas Cowboys. And Derek Thomas did it again in 1998. Uh, six, six, sorry. Um, he had uh, against the Raiders in September 1998. Now, as we know, the sack stats only date as far back as 1982. They didn't keep official sack records uh, before 1992, uh, 1982, I beg your pardon. So it was difficult to say, you know, is, is there an unofficial mark? Has anyone had more than seven in a game uh, prior to 1982? And there have been many rumours about it. Uh, Deacon Jones uh, for the Rams, who famously coined the term sack, he, he basically invented it, has been credited with seven sacks in a game, although not officially credited with seven sacks in the game. Um, Tombstone Jackson, I love that name, Tombstone Jackson for the Denver Broncos uh, was unofficially credited with seven sacks in the game. As I looked into it deeper, apparently it was uh, closer to five, five sacks in the game. But I'm going to tell you guys a story and it's about a legend, a, a literal legend in the NFL. And his name is Norm Wildman Willie, which is just a great name. He got the nickname Wildman because he was quite literally a wild man. That's what all his teammates and opponents said. This guy is just wild. He's an absolute animal on the field. So 
We're going to take you back to October 26, 1952. Norm Wildman Willie played for the Philadelphia Eagles and they were playing against the New York Giants. Now, the Eagles won that game 14-10. Here we are in 2022 and, you know, you're going back to 1952, 70 years ago, a 14-10 win for the Eagles over the Giants. That's, that's okay, but the most interesting thing about this game is that Although stats weren't kept as an official record pre-1982, and therefore it's very difficult to see how many sacks did someone have in a game pre-1982. In 1952, the Philadelphia Eagles would give bonuses to their players regarding what they did. So, for example, if you had an interception, you could get a bonus at $25. If you caught a touchdown pass, you could get a bonus of $25, $30. You know, if you throw a touchdown pass, you get a bonus of $15, $20, whatever it was. Norm Wildman Willie, on this day in 1952, was given a bonus. Now, back then, the going rate for a sack was unofficially, <laughs> all this is unofficial, was $10. So if you tackled the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage, you got a bonus of $10. It's completely illegal. You're not allowed to give incentives for doing this kind mm -hmm. of thing. But they did this. The coaches admitted they did it years after the fact. Norm Wildman Willie, on the, on the 26th of October, 1952, received a bonus of $170. Wow. Because he unofficially sacked the quarterback 17 times, including five straight dropbacks. One game. Oh, I mean, for the time, you know, in the 50s, that that's... Where was the offensive line? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we, yes, keep, keep in mind, in the 50s, teams didn't pass the ball very often. It's wow. like, there was probably only 17 dropbacks, pass attempts in the entire game. Um, and he, he was paid $170, $10 per sack. But they didn't call them sacks back then. And there was a news article that said he'd, I think they said he dumped the quarterback behind the line 17 times. I was going to say, did they, did they say he assaulted the quarterback 17 times? Just well, completely took him down. Apparently, it got to the point where he'd, <laughs> they, they, they were saying, you need to come off the field. And the opposing coach was getting really annoyed, seeing that he was being too rough. You, you, you can't do that. Yeah. They said, well, it's, it's your, job your job. Yeah, it's your job to stop me. <laughs> so yes, Norm Wildman Willie had 17 sacks in one game unofficially in 1952. And that is my random stat. That's a beauty. I, I really like that. I, I mean, you, you've got... You know, maybe in more recent times, you've got some uh, illegal incentives, uh, bounties, Whoa. and whatnot. Oh, no, right. we don't, oh, need, to right. about, we don't wow. need to talk about this. Shots fired. Oh, the, just you, but this is where this is some of the, the first beginnings of these things happening. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's maybe a more uh, a less obvious way of getting around rules and things like that but uh you know it's it's it just shows that teams are always looking for that advantage whether legal or illegal you know motivate your players you know 
<laughs> well, I think it was more the case that the back in the 50s, every team was doing it. It was just yeah. deemed mm. illegal by the league. So it's not like one team was doing it to gain an advantage. They were all I mean, doing look, it, you know. Look what's happening in the college football at the moment with uh, Jimbo Fisher and uh, Nick Saban throwing insults at each other. Everyone knows the colleges are doing it, but yeah. it's like, well, we're not le- for legal reasons. We're not doing it, but everybody knows we're doing it. Yeah, of course we're no- we're not doing that. What are you talking about? Uh, go on, and I'll 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 take take one. It's all uh, yours, Dave. My no, mine is. Have a question as well because I want to ask you, both of you. Uh, what the stat that I came across was we were talking about um, some running backs earlier, such as Philip Lindsay, um, and I think we we sort of slightly touched upon um, particularly third down running backs with uh, you know with uh, targets and receptions things like that. But I came across a really interesting stat that I wasn't expecting. So I saw a table of running backs with the most receptions since 2019. Now, obviously, it's got, to be an active, it's got to be an active quarterback, but some of the quarterbacks that made that list, but I want to, the one I want to bring to you is, is that the, the running back with the most receptions to, uh, since 2019 had 216 receptions. Now, it's not an obvious name, but I want to ask you, do you have any idea who that could be? Well, see, now, I, I would have guessed Christian McCaffrey, but because I know he had like, you know, have like 100 in a season or something ridiculous, mm-hmm. but he missed all of last year pretty much. And I think he missed all of the year before, didn't he? I missed a lot. He's mm-hmm. missed an awful lot. So I don't. Um, if it's oh. unlikely, it's not going to be McCaffrey or Kamara. The most likely one. See, I, I was going to say Saquon as well, but he's missed a lot of games too. I would guess Austin Eckler. Um, Hang on, what an an- what an answer, Austin Eckler. Jake, oh, you're on fire Jake is tonight. on fire. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for just, a quiz. <laughs> just when you're hot, you're hot. Oh yeah, but the thing is, though, you also got three of the top four in that. So you got Austin Eckler at first. Alvin Kamara coming in just slightly in second on 211 receptions with Christian McCaffrey fourth on 170. So those two at the top, massively in a league of their own. But third place with 181, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette. I wonder if I got that. No. No. That, uh, I mean, he was, he was, the reason that he he wasn't higher in his original uh, draft was because he wasn't, he, he wasn't thought very highly with his hands, but 181 completed receptions since 2019. That's, course, that's something uh, to be proud of, yeah. Of course, you know, two years with Tom Brady as your quarterback. As a running back, you're going to catch an awful lot of passes. Check down Brady. Check down Brady. <laughs> Check down Brady. Yep, um, just take that. Yeah, oh, I'll, think, just, I'll just walk forward one yard, turn around, catch a pass. Uh, hey. Absolutely. That's how I think what... One of the only other ones that I was kind of very curious about, um, rounding up the top 10, was actually J.D. McKissick on, a, <laughs> on 123. So, you know, so, some of these guys you, you would expect to be around there. Ezekiel Elliott uh, coming in sixth with 153. Aaron Jones just be- uh, behind him. Uh, James White and Dalvin Cook were there as well. But also Naheem Hines, who mm-hmm. we've just mentioned. Hi, yeah, you were talking about him earlier. Yeah, so he came at well, 147 receptions since 2019. So it goes to show just how important the running backs are also to the passing game. You've got the running game and the pass game, but Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, 
in a league of their own, basically, with the, the amount of receptions between them. They accounted for 427 receptions since 2019. Wow. Very impressive. Such an underrated position now, an underpaid. You think, oh, all they have to do, they have to be able to run the ball, they have to be able to catch the ball, they have to be able to block. And it's like, oh, we're going to pay you probably the worst on the entire offense as well. Whilst you're the, yeah, and oh, by the way, you're going to be out of the league in three years. And uh, you need yeah. to titanium ACLs as well. Yeah. It's just, growing up, if your son was like, I want to be a running back, it's like, how about wide receiver? <laughs> maybe maybe we go out wide. Just have a safe, safer, safer job, and you know, be like window cleaning at at you know a thousand feet up in the air in the tallest buildings in the world with the amount of injuries that these guys get nowadays. So, you know, uh, like I mean, some of the top ten, all these players growing up watching, you know, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith. I want to be a running back now. Everyone would be like, oh, you don't <laughs> want to be a running back anymore. Yep. Um, no, I'd, really, I'd rather be really the. I'd rather be the punter for the Chiefs or something you know yeah. <laughs> if I can if I can sit out four games a year I'll take that uh, in fact I, 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 I remember I'm going to do this again sorry guys I know I do this every week um, I remember back in 1994 I'm going to say um, the San Francisco 49ers played the Buffalo Bills and to the best of my recollection, there was not a single punt in that game by either team. And the punter for the 49ers, his name was, his name was what was it? Uh, Klaus Wilmsmeyer. That was his name. Don't ask me how I remember these things. What a name. <laughs> Klaus Wilmsmeyer. He was a punter for the, the San Francisco 49ers. And I think in the Super Bowl that year, they played the, the San Diego Chargers. Um, he comes on to punt and Al Michael said... Um, and here's the man with the cushiest job in America, the punter for the San Francisco 49ers. And he'd like punted less times than they'd scored touchdowns or something. It was an insane stat. You're thinking, that's ridiculous. And and I think it was at least one game, maybe two games for him, he did not kick a ball. He just sat there and picked up his check. That's, yeah. That can't be bad. It's, you, it bet, was, you better be a good punter, you know. If you you actually yeah. have to punt, they'd, they'd be expecting a sixty yard bomb. Be like, come on, you should be fresh. Thirteenth <laughs> of September, nineteen ninety two, the no punt game. Oh, I was ninety two. I beg your pardon. Ninety two, and the Bills went ran out thirty four, thirty one winners. Ninety two Bills were a good team. Went to the Super Bowl again. That was their fourth Super Bowl. Twenty twenty two Bills are a good team, so I think they're generally accepted that they will be right there at the end of the year. So yeah, Was I was I right with the, the was it the Bills 49ers? Yes, it was the Bills 49ers, yes indeed. Go. Not bad. Not bad. My memory's still it's not failing me just yet. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you, what do you have for breakfast today? I, no <laughs> exactly. There we go. That that's what I thought. <laughs> um Damn, I don't know. I I I've no idea what I had. <laughs> I had coffee, there I know that, go. but that was it. Oh no, I didn't have tea this morning. Right, see, I'm way out. Oh, right. oh my God. Right, right. no. Let's move on. Just Let's shock. Move I think on. we need to move on really quickly before I just embarrass myself any further. <laughs> Do we have any... Is that... See, this is it. I don't even remember yeah, how many yeah, of us have this, done random stats. This has gone from one <laughs> to a million miles an hour so quickly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake. I'm sorry. I'm just 
I'm just, you know, I'm sitting here going, oh, need to get off this subject really quickly. And then I completely forgot that you hadn't done a random stat. That's how good my memory is. So Jake, <laughs> kindly put me out of my misery and tell us, what is your random stat? Yeah, so my random stat, I had it prepared for, for last week. So it's he, he's actually not just had his birthday. He had his birthday two weeks ago. Um, but Steve Smith Sr. recently had his 43rd birthday. Uh, his former third round pick. Um, but my stat is going to the 2008 season uh, where Smith became the only player in NFL history to lead the league in receiving yards per game whilst his team were last in pass attempts. So his team threw the ball the least amount of times, uh, and he still led the league in yards per game. That doesn't make sense. Uh, yes, it doesn't. And the best thing, he actually missed two games, um, because in the preseason, he broke his teammates' nose, and the team suspended him two games. <laughs> That's, so, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that yeah, doesn't make any was, sense. Looking through the stats, I mean, it wasn't his best season. I think there was one season where he had slightly more yards, but 78 receptions, 1,421 yards uh, with six touchdowns. He averaged 101 and a half yards per game, um, all whilst his team were last in pass attempts. What is that? Is that like 19 yards per reception? Um, I can't do the quick calculation, but it's got to be close to the 20. 70-something for 1,400-something, but it wasn't double. Divided by 78. 18.21. 18.21 yards per reception. That is good in anyone's book. And then to do that consistently per game. 100, especially like fantasy-wise, you take any wide receiver that's hitting 101 yards per game. Definitely. Um, yeah, I was just going to say he—he he was also uh, he tried tried a couple punt returns as well in that season as well. So he was doing pretty much everything, you know, it, even injuring his own teammates. So he, he was taking out everyone and taking taking out records, taking out his teammates, you know. But by sound of it, was taking out the turf as well. But who, who was sorry? Who was he playing for at the time? Panthers. The Panthers. Th yeah. This was when he was with the Panthers before yeah. before Cam Newton, the year before Cam Newton, I believe. Yeah. Right. Okay, and when he left the Panthers, was it the Ravens he went to? I believe it was indeed. Was it? it was. Yeah, yeah. That's when he had that famous uh, speech on the sideline about yeah. get get your uh, behinds back to Carolina when you get there. Cut my grass. Cut oh, my grass. <laughs> <laughs> that was his second best after Ice Up Son. I always loved Ice Up Son. Sup Son. And I want someone. If you see my face. That means I scored. No, oh, that was him, wasn't I it? Scored. Yeah. And, and hey, then if afterwards. You see my face again. <laughs> I have scored again. <laughs> he was he was quite he, the character. He really was. Steve Smith Senior. That's again, you want your wide receivers to, to be a bit of a diva and bring the sound bites, you know? I like a receiver who can bully defensive backs. Not by, you know, just sheer physical prowess. But by attitude, I like that. Oh, well, Smith, Smith certainly wasn't, you know... He wasn't the biggest by guy. Any means an athlete, yeah, yeah, by any means an athletic like specimen in terms of height and you know, weights, but he knew, his, he, knew, he knew how to catch the ball and he knew how to do it quite often. Because, you know, when you see uh, a lot of um, trash talking, shall we say? 
selected call it, isn't it? And uh, we all remember uh, Richard Sherman talking about Michael Crabtree. Mm-hmm. Get that, sorry. Yes, yes. You try me with that. A sorry retrie- uh, receiver like Michael Crabtree. I, I wish uh, the following week he had played a prime Steve Smith. <laughs> Can you imagine what the trash talking would have been like? Yeah. They were okay. absolutely incredible. Steve Smith was amazing. He 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 was an, an amazing player. I I remember some of the plays that he you know some of the route running that he was able to pull off against some you know some of the, some great cornerbacks as well. Every, oh, he played against the best, the best. Oh, absolutely! And every single year, you know, from the time he was drafted, I think maybe two thousand, two thousand one. 2002, I believe. 2002, yeah. I mean, from the time, he, I, he, I don't think he was thrown straight into the first team, uh, the, the kind of, you know, as first choice wide receiver. But from from early doors, you could see his potential. And then he just produced year on year. Um, I think towards the end, maybe he was slowing up slightly. But at the same time, when he went to Baltimore, he pretty much tore it up. Um, I think, did he not start every game for the Ravens? Uh I don't. I, mean, I don't. I don't telling him he's not starting. Well, yes, that is true. I mean, if you if you if he's going to leave the Panthers after 10, 12 years, uh, and he's going to get signed by the Ravens, yeah. Do we think? Do we but, think Steve Smith belongs in the Hall of Fame? No, I think he belongs in like a Ring of Honor or like you know the you know the Panthers. I, I yeah. don't think he's quite there. It's just yeah. I, I'm I'm looking at like his career stats there. I mean, he's eighth all time in receiving yards. I mean, he's ahead of Marvin Harrison and James Lofton and Chris Carter and Andre Reid and Steve Lard and Nart Monk and Charlie Joyner. They're all Hall of Famers. He's ahead of them. He's I think behind. he's suffering to the kind of teams he played for in the championships. He won yeah, possibly. Kind of, you know, individual um, awards as well. Yeah. Um, I do, do you know what? You're probably right. I think they always I mean, see that. He, I mean, uh, you know, longevity alone, he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. And like I say, I'm sure he will be in the, the Panthers um, ring of honor if he's not already. Um, but Hall of Fame, I think he'd struggle. You think it's just a bit of a stretch? Yeah. I never know. It might be one of those ones on, you know, one of his last attempts. They, they, they put him in. You know, never say never. That's true. Uh, I mean, we still got Larry Fitzgerald is uh, sitting all by himself at second place there. Uh, for you know, receiving yards and and all that kind of stuff. Ob- obviously, behind Jerry Rice. Uh, talk but- about longevity. Yeah. <laughs> so Jerry Jerry Rice's twenty seasons is just ridiculous, and he has nearly twenty three thousand receiving yards. It's not. It's, it's, it's not never twenty. Yeah, it's never a question. Um, it's not even, not even just 20 seasons though it's not like oh yeah 20 seasons last like 6 he was a backup or you know getting a few dogs. it's like no 20 seasons have been the best uh, pretty much pretty much the best in the league his entire career it's just it's not fair do you know when you look at people talk about <clears throat> oh who's the best running back of all time oh there's Walter Payton or there's Jim Brown or there's Barry Sanders and you say oh who's the best quarterback of all time oh there's Peyton Manning or there's Tom Brady, or there's, you know, whoever you are, Joe Montana, John Elway, put all those guys in. When anyone says, who's the best receiver of all time? What, you mean apart from Jerry Rice? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's T.O. or Randy Moss. Or, you know, it's, it's, almost, it's apart from Jerry Rice. It's like there's, there's no question. 
Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver who ever played the game. Anyone who argues differently doesn't know what they're talking about. And a league of his own. Oh, absolutely a league of his own. Oh, a league of his own. And listen, I'm the first to admit that, you know, Randy Moss may be the greatest physical specimen to ever play the wide receiver position. Absolutely. You know, or, or, or Megatron. As physical, you know, athletic freaks, yes. But Jerry Rice was still the best wide receiver. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what your physical attributes are. Physical gifts and talent will will get you so far. Jerry Rice had that, and he had the incredible work ethic. He did, and he was so rarely injured, and he just he was the most reliable. You know, we've said it before. The two best abilities are availability and reliability, and that's it. And Jerry Rice had both of those in spades. Um, I, I know we, we mentioned it briefly. The, the, his 1987 season, when he played 12 games, had 22 receiving touchdowns and rushed for a touchdown. In 12 games. Yeah, I mean, you see it now with like, records getting broken. It's like, yeah, you're playing five, you know, sometimes seven more games than some of these records. It's like, <laughs> I, I should know. hope you're beating them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, and even so, then, a lot of players don't achieve that. And it's like you had seven more games or five more games. You know, sometimes it's like, and you still are not as good. Well, in a much more pass-oriented mm-hmm. league as well. You look at um, Eric Dickerson's rushing record. Still there. Still there. Legend. You know, I think he did that in his what his second season. Uh, yes. Yeah, he, his first, yeah, his yeah. rookie season, he went yeah. for over eighteen hundred yards. Right. And then in the second season, he went for 2,100 yards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come on. But yeah, that, that record's still there. I'm, I don't know if that record will... It's one of those ones where you know people say, oh, that record will never get broken, and immediately gets broken. But that record stood since 1984. I think it will, just because of the games. Incidentally, yeah. uh, when Eric Jackson set his rushing record, the same season that Marino set his passing record which stood right up until the middle of the 2000s just just the sheer amount of games and they'll you know if say Derek Henry you know, can survive an entire year of being healthy they'll force it that, that, you know records are basically just made to be broken now. Uh, they'll, they'll force yeah it. that's a good point actually I mean Derek Henry had nearly a thousand yards he'd only played seven games or something like that before he got injured and he had like 900 odd yards Terrell Davis would have broken it in 1998 he rushed for 2,000 and something yards. I forget what it was, but missed the equivalent of uh, three games by setting out fourth quarters. <laughs> wow. Because I Shanahan was like, I am not getting you injured. We're up by 30. You sit down. Tell them, sit down. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, in the <clears throat> 1997 Super Bowl, which would have been Super Bowl 32, I want to say, yes, yeah, Super Bowl 32, when the Broncos beat the Green Bay Packers, Terrell Davis rushed for like 158 yards and three touchdowns. He missed the entire second quarter because of uh, migraines. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. To, uh, see, this is something no one talks about when talking about the best running backs of all time. Terrell Davis, on, on like a per game basis, is one of the greatest to ever do it. His career was cut tragically short by injury. Uh, but his, he, I mean, his first year, he went for 1,000 yards. His second year, he went for 1,500. Then he went for 1,750. Then he went for 2,000. 
And he was just getting better and better and better, and then he got injured. Boom. All because Brian Greasy threw an interception. Terrell Davis was trying to make a tackle, got injured, and that was it. End of his career. Absolutely gutted. That's such a shame. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame. So, you know. He's, he's, still, he's, yeah. he's still doing <laughs> all right bad. for himself. Yeah. But if he'd had the longevity, he could have done, like, not that he could have done more, but, you know, statistically wise, he'd be more. It's like Barry Sanders retired after, what was it, 10 seasons? Um, he'd rushed for 15,000 yards. <laughs> 10 years. You think, what? That he probably guy? rushed for about 25,000, but there was about 10,000 in the negatives. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd like 10,000 in the negatives <laughs> as well. If he'd played for as long as Emmett Smith played, um, he would have doubled the old rushing record. Barry Sanders would. I have no doubt in my mind. If he'd stayed healthy, obviously. Anyway, sorry guys, that's me going on and on again. On and on and on and on. Um, we're nearly out of time because it's a slightly shorter episode uh, this year. Uh, this, week, this year? Good. <laughs> We've not been on that uh, long. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. This week, I beg your pardon. Um, we do have, uh, before we move on to our last segment, uh, is there anything I missed out, guys? Is there anything that you want to, to add in? Anything I might have uh, skipped over while I was doing my ramblings? The only thing I can think of is when we were talking about the running backs, I was thinking about poor Tariq Cohen, who missed all of last year with his oh. ACL, or most of last year with the ACL. Oh, just... um, and then he was warming up on Instagram Live to kind of show teams he's ready and available, come come sign me, and you heard his Achilles pop. So, yeah. as this season done, it could be his career done, you know, back-to-back, you know, season and injuries. It's going to be um, tough to come back from that, but that was just a shame. I watched the video. I won't watch it again. Yeah, yeah. you can hear it. I was yeah. just... Oh, my word. You think, what? The, the, such a shame. The poor guy. You get moments in sports where you grimace, but this was a different type of grimace because not only could you like fit, all, you know, almost physically feel it yourself watching it, but you you know when you know what he's gone through. Obviously, just to get to that point, to, uh, that he has to show that he is ready uh, to get back to what he does best, and then that happens. It's just, it's a different type of grimace that you've got, not just the physical pain that you know he's got, he's feeling, but the mental pain as well. Oh, to, yeah. to get to where he got to back from a, you know, a devastating injury. And now he's got a second one straight after. It's, you got to feel for the guy. I feel really bad for him. It was not, I, I'm not trying to put them on this, the same level or anything like that, because obviously you can't compare these things. But um, when RG3. When his knee blew out in in that wild card game, it was the same, I had the same kind of feeling. It's 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 gut wrenching when someone is like, "Oh, you know, I'm back. I'm back from injury. You know, here here I go. I can do my thing." And then boom, and you're like, "Oh no, that's that's the saddest thing that can possibly happen." But the the Teddy Cohen thing, you just oh, it was awful. I I'll never watch that video again. It was just that was the worst. Yeah. I think there, there was a lot of support from the NFL community as well. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a very good thing to see. I think obviously there, there has been a lot of mentally testing things have happened in the last few months within the NFL. And I think you know th- these these kind of moments that they obviously for the player it's devastating, but to you know see a lot of support for him as well 
you know, a lot of well wishers, a lot of people getting in touch with him just to, you know, check in and see how he's doing, support him as best they can. I think that was quite nice to see as well. It was indeed. It was great to see the support by um, teammates and uh, just people around the league in general for Tariq Cohen. So, you know, get well soon, Tariq, and uh, hopefully uh, this isn't the end of his career. Hopefully he'll come back. He's a dynamic player, particularly on, on the punt returns. He's absolutely, he's shifty. He's such a shifty wee player, and I really hope that he, that he comes back. So uh, we, all, we all wish Tariq Cohen the best. We've uh, got one final segment to do, and it's actually... The final segment of the final segment. Does that make sense? Uh, we're going to do a, a draft day feel. And this is the last one we're going to do uh, for now because obviously moving in towards the season, we do have to do our uh, previews of the season. We're going to have um, look in-depth looks at each division throughout the NFL before uh, kickoff. And obviously, you know, preseason's not that far away, guys. Um, next month, next week, beg your pardon, is June. So um, preseason is not far away at all. We've got the summer camps coming up, the the um, the mini camps for all the teams. So really looking forward to that. So, but we do have one final. You and McFails draft day fails, and gentlemen, have I got one for you? This is something that I actually came across. This I was I was. Um, I was browsing, perusing some videos on YouTube and there's a channel that I like to watch um, called Jaguar Gator 9. Now, Jaguar Gator 9 is uh, a channel that does, you know, um, random videos about the NFL and it tells stories about the NFL from from years gone by as well as from um, current day. But I came across this. Um, actually came across this about three weeks ago and I wanted to do this but I thought I'm going to keep it this might be the funniest drafty story I've ever heard and I'm not going to do this any justice so if you want to get the full story go onto YouTube and check out Jaguar Gator 9 Um, this is brilliant and this concerns wide receiver G.D. Hill now wide receiver G.D. Hill um played with Arizona State. And in 1970, they went undefeated. He was by far and away the best receiver uh, on the team. And he was by far and away the best receiver in the draft, the 1971 draft. There wasn't even uh, a close second. So J.D. Hill knew that he was going to be drafted. He had an idea he was going to get drafted pretty high, but he actually said the week before, uh, or or two weeks before the draft, I don't have a preference for which team I play with. Now, keep in mind that back then, we're talking the early 70s here, the draft was different. They had like 14 rounds in the draft. And players, the the gap between second round and ninth round wasn't as big as it is today. You've got, you know, second round players valued much more highly than the seventh round player. Wasn't like that back then. But J.D. Hill knew he was going to get drafted. He just didn't care who he got drafted by. So the draft comes around a couple of weeks later and um, the commissioner, Pete Rosell, uh, reads out that uh, J.D. Hill has been drafted fourth overall by the Buffalo Bills in the 1971 draft. Nothing strange about this. 
Nobody was shocked by the pick. He was by far and away the most highly regarded receiver uh, in coming out of college. Everyone knew the Bills needed a receiver. They, they had O.J. Simpson for a couple of years. They had a good rookie quarterback from the year before. Everyone knew they needed a receiver. So it was no surprise when he got drafted by the Buffalo Bills fourth overall. Now, I'm going to put this to you, gentlemen, because just a couple of years ago, um, well, or, or last year, I should say, Kyle Pitts, the tight end, was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. And I believe he was fourth overall, wasn't he? Yes. 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 Now, imagine if Kyle Pitts got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons fourth overall, but wasn't aware of this fact. It would be unheard of, today mm -hmm. especially. But in 1971, this is exactly what happened. J.D. Hill didn't know that he'd been drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Now, not because he, you know, had missed his name getting called out. Not because he didn't think the Bills were going to draft him. It was because J.D. Hill was visiting his family in Fresno and had forgotten the draft was on. He had no idea the NFL draft was going on. He was visiting his family and he got drafted and didn't know. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Nobody from the Buffalo Bills contacted him to tell him he'd been drafted. No one in his entire family watched the draft because they were all in Fresno. They're having a great time playing with a Monopoly or whatever it is they were doing. And no one told him that he was drafted. Now, here's the thing. The day after the draft, and it's in the paper. See, you know, he's been drafted and there's, there's all these uh, quotes from the coaches and scouts and stuff like that. But there's no word from him. And no one thinks that this is weird, that there's no quotes from the player. Because the papers haven't contacted him either. So then we go around to the next day. This is two days later. Uh, so we're on the, so that was a Thursday night, the Friday. We're now on the Saturday. He still doesn't know that he's been drafted by the Buffalo Bills. And then on the Sunday comes around, he's flying to Atlanta because he's, he's going to a banquet where there's an award ceremony for, for college players. And he won like all American, whatever it was. And that's fine. So he goes along and he's talking to one of his friends that another player who got drafted that year and he's just sort of chatting away and uh, nothing much comes from the conversation and his friend goes up to speak at the draft and he's he says oh you know i'm just so chuffed that i i got drafted i got phoned by art model of the browns i'm really happy that i got drafted by the browns and at this point jd hill goes oh yeah the draft was on and he still doesn't know who drafted him. So he has to go <laughs> to the hotel. He's in the hotel at the banquet. And he says, D do you have like a newspaper or something? And because nobody at the airport, no, none of his family, none of his friends are told this guy he's been drafted by the Bills. And he has to get a newspaper from the hotel where he's at a banquet three days later to tell him that he got drafted fourth overall by the Buffalo Bills. And J.D. Hill went on to have a, quite a nice career. Uh, he managed to make a Pro Bowl with the Bills, played for a few seasons, but uh, that is this week's Ewan McPhail's Draft Day Fail. 
incomprehensible that that would happen nowadays. Yeah, yes, I, I, that's, I, that's, there's, there's no way. There's just I, no way. I, I, I can't fathom. I, I can't even imagine. You know, you, it's, you, if you, when you get drafted, that is your life changing moment right there. See, th- so, this, this is the thing. This, he actually, and he admitted he forgot the entire draft was taking place. How? I, 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 I don't know. Because <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, his dad or his, or his brother or someone, you know, his sister had said, oh, you know, we're going to have a wee family get together. He's like, oh, okay, that sounds good. Completely forgetting that in a week's time the draft is on. And then he's away, you know, fishing and playing frisbee in the park. But nobody said to him, by the way, congratulations getting drafted by the Buffalo Bills in three days. He never read a newspaper didn't turn on a telly or a radio for three days. I love it. Wow, I, I'm lost for words. To be honest, I, I don't. I, I, you know, and obviously he went on to have a, a pretty good career over yeah, the next what, 10, 10, 15 years probably, and yet not a Scooby until three days later when he just went, oh, ping. Wait a minute, there was, the draft was on, wasn't it? Yeah. So oh, one of yeah. his friends is literally speaking at a, at a, at a dinner. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, to talk away, and he says, "Oh, by the way, you know, I'm so I got my call from Art Modell. I'm so drafted by the Browns." And he's sitting in the audience, going, sure, "Yeah, was that was that this week?" Eh? <laughs> I didn't know. So I don't know when he thought the draft was, but clearly he didn't realize that it just happened. Say these days with the, you know the, the players immediately get phoned, you know, speak to the general manager, speak, you know, they don't go three mm-hmm. minutes without finding out, without all these cameras on them, but. Uh, Yes. Yeah, I'm just a happily ignorance is bliss. Just very concerned why, you know, when did he actually turn up in Buffalo? How long could he have gone, do you think, without the team? Like, you know, training camp, the team's like, has anyone, has anyone tried contacting him? Like, should we, should we tell him we signed him? Like, isn't that the strangest thing? Yeah, the team just the, thought, ah, he'll know. Yeah, he'll know. Who, 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 who wouldn't know that? He, I mean, because he knew he was going to get drafted high. He knew he was going to go in the first round. He knew that this was this was not a shock to anyone. It's not like he got drafted and then he was like, did I? What? Are you kidding me? He knew he was going. He just forgot the draft was taking place altogether or didn't know when it was. <laughs> it's just... I, would lo- I would love to know what it's like to be that carefree in life, though, that you can, you know, basically, it's basically just zoned out from all of society for those three four days just you know get up he's got he's literally got away from everything you know he's he's one of the headlines i mean in in buffalo he's going to be the headline on the back pages kind of thing and yet he didn't have a clue for days that this was going on no it's just it baffles baffling in buffalo <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> fantastic so that's that's a uh, you and mcphail's draft day fail that's the end of that one. We're coming up to the end of the show. Gentlemen, have I missed anything out? Not just uh, there's a few trades, seeing as we're talking about draft day fails. Um, the Raiders traded for the former Patriots quarterback, Jarrett Stidham. They got Jarrett Stidham on a seventh um, in exchange for a sixth, so just really a late-round swap. Um, and then the Falcons finally addressed the wide receiver problem. Um, they receive Brian Edwards on a seventh. Uh, for just a fifth-round pick to the Raiders. I mean, Edwards is only 23, a former third-round pick, so plenty of upside, but a few, few trades to, to go on the back of draft day fails. 
Oh, good stuff. It's always good. It's always, it's always, it's never a dull day, is it? In the NFL, <clears throat> there's always something to pique your interest. Um, and oh, I've, do you know what I completely forgot to mention? There has been uh, some announcements about dates uh, of tickets going on sale for the international series. Um, I don't have them to hand, so I don't even know why I'm saying this because I don't know what the dates are. But <laughs> but I'm hoping to get down to see the Broncos Jaguars. And those tickets are going on sale in a couple of weeks. So there you go. Unless you're getting the VIP packages, which are, I think you can get yeah. them next week. No, yeah. this week. It's either the end of this week or the beginning of next week. The VIP packages are going on sale. So if anyone's going down to that and um, wants to buy me a VIP ticket, that would be much appreciated. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. Wow. I, 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 yeah, just, you know, that's right. You tout for your own self-interest. But, you know, speaking of self-interest and uh, we'll go for the Rams on this one. So the only other bit of information I have is that it's uh, a potential avenue that Todd Gurley could be retiring uh, because he's in no rush to get back to the field if he even is coming back to the field. So obviously he had his great run with the Rams uh, when we got to the Super Bowl back in 2018, but he has got arthritis in one of his knees yeah. and it, it has been a bit of a, an issue uh, in the last couple of years for him. So there's it's a very big possibility that Todd Gurley could be retiring. I'd to announce my retirement from the NFL because it's as <laughs> relevant as Todd Gurley's. I mean... Wow! Imagine, imagine you, oh. there's no interest in people signing you. It's like, oh, by the way, I'm retiring. Everyone's like, you're not retired. What? Oh, <laughs> that's that's a sore one, Jake. Come on. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Someone's got to be the bad guy. I decided it's going to be me. I think yeah, welcome, welcome down to this level, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice of company. Do, down I, do I need to separate you two? What's going on here? This is you, terrible. You, you come back down. You know, we're three. Come to the dark side. Yeah, <laughs> dark <got> side. <laughs> Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, yes. thank you for tuning in to this edition of the NFL show. Sometimes I don't know why I bother. I really don't. <laughs> uh, it's it's because I love doing it. That's why. Um, but anyway, th- thanks very much for listening. I will be back next week. Um, as I say, we will be looking more in depth at each division and each team. Um, we'll hopefully be also, yes, we definitely in the next couple of weeks or so, we're going to be getting some uh, guests on the show. So really looking forward to that. Uh, and the plan is to be getting the YouTube channel uh, properly pay attention to it because I've been neglecting that for some time now. I really have. So we're going to be getting some uh, clips up on YouTube over the next few weeks as well. So look forward to that. Uh, don't forget, you can hit us up on the WinF- at the WinFL Show on Twitter. You can also find myself, Jake and Dave on Twitter as well. So thanks for stopping along. Jake, it has been a pleasure. Always. Dave, again, a pleasure with you, pal. Thank you so much for having me. It's just a great show. We're doing brilliant. Let's keep going, guys. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for listening in, everyone. And we will catch you on next week's NFL show. <laughs>